Before we get into it tonight, just a couple quick kind of uh, announcements we want to make sure everybody's on the same page with. And first and foremost, uh, we want to make sure that you know that next Sunday we're going to be doing something that is kind of a regular part of our rhythm as a church and as a community, and we simply call it Sabbath gatherings. What we know is that life can easily uh, become about checking boxes and just jumping through hoops, and you just go through the motions over and over and over again, this repetitive state of human doing, uh, rather than what we believe we're invited to be, and that is human beings. And uh, so to help in that even something like this can easily just be a, a repetitive thing uh, that we just come back to over and over and over again. So for us, we have this regular rhythm of just saying, okay, we're, we're just not going to even gather. We're just going to take the day. Uh, then, and the hope is that everybody would just clear their calendar and spend the day doing the things that refresh you, whatever that is. Maybe that's sleeping in. Maybe that's breakfast in bed. Maybe that's going for a hike, uh, spending some time with friends and family. Whatever that is, there's so many things in life that we know refresh us, but we rarely make time for. And so for us, as we are pursuing uh, kind of a, uh, a healthier way to go about life and spirituality. We think this is important. So uh, all that to say, there will be no gatherings next Sunday, whether it's in the morning or the evening. This place will be dark, so don't come here. Uh, and uh, just spend the day and rest and play, as, as we like to say it. We think that that's the best spiritual work that you can do uh, next Sunday. And then we'll be back the Sunday after that, okay? Uh, so today we're in the midst of a series. We, we started it last week, and, and really last week was trying to lay some groundwork for really where we're headed the next few weeks. Uh, and, the vo- and the series that, is, that we're calling it is simply voice. And the idea is this, that most of us on planet Earth have a voice. We've been given something to speak our story, thoughts, beliefs, ideas, whatever it is, into the world. And many of us know and have experienced a culture and a life where we see and sense that there are certain people that they get the platform They get the microphone and people actually want to hear their voice. They want to hear their story. They're the ones that everybody's following on Instagram. They're the ones that everybody's, you know, clamoring to buy their book or whatever it is, hear their thoughts on these kinds of things. We create these platforms. And it's in doing that that many times what we end up seeing take place in our own lives is that we believe that their voice matters. Their story matters. And ours is on a lesser level. And ours does not matter at all even. And what we can spend a majority of our life doing is taking this thing that, uh, as we talked last week, I believe that we've all been given and that a part of our humanity and a part of our invitation into the fullness of humanity is to learn to bring our voice to the table. It's something that we can spend our entire life just squashing, squandering, believing that it really doesn't matter why bother, why speak up, why share, because at the end of the day, it's just about those people on that platform. And today, um, we're going to hear from somebody that's uh, doing, I think, not just some good work, but just who they are and who she is as a person. Uh, She's working hard to bring her voice specifically to this area of our community. We all live in this city, most of us, I think, live in the city of Billings, Montana. And it can be this wrestling match of what does it mean to bring my voice to my community known as Billings. And she's someone that I think is doing an incredible job. And I'm so honored and excited that she's here to share a little bit of her story and, what, and the work that she's doing, and some of her thoughts and beliefs. So would you please give a CMYK welcome, whatever that means, uh, to Miss Caitlin Cromwell as she comes up to share tonight. CMYK interviews. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. I don't know. That we was nicer some... than this morning. Well, I tried. More yeah, song. There's sometimes this awkward silence of like, we're waiting. Anyways, all right. I'm going to have okay. to walk up alone in silence. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being here. This is great. So Thank we did this this me. morning, and it uh, was 
awesome, incredible, and amazing. It's just the greatest thing ever. So that is very nice. <laughs> Thank you. So we'll see how this no goes. No pressure. Yeah. Um, I'd like to start just simply with the question of you are somebody that when we talk about this idea of bringing your voice to your community, you are somebody that this is not uh, you're raised in community. You were born somewhere else. You live somewhere else. And you, uh, for whatever reason, have chosen to bring your voice here to Billings, Montana. Out of all the places that you could go, this is where you decided to be. Wild. Uh, and, which is crazy. Like, and I made the joke this morning, like, did your plane break down and you just weren't <laughs> sure how to get out? Uh, uh, because yep. there's, there's so many places that you could be, but here you are. And, and I think your story kind of speaks to a lot of where we're going tonight. So what, what brings you here to Billings, Montana, that you would call this your community? Yeah. Um, so as I said this morning, I appreciate this question a lot. Um, also because I am relatively new to CMYK. Um, so it's a good chance for, for me to introduce myself. Um, so my name is Caitlin. Um, I grew up north of Baltimore um, in Maryland. Uh, I went to school in Connecticut um, and come from a lot of the things that um, I feel that the East Coast to represent, um, which is not to say I have a lot of roots in that place and see a lot of value in things that the East Coast has culturally that might not exist here. Um, however, I took a leap of faith when I was in college and did an internship here um, and was, I think, sort of rocked by a couple of things in a positive way. I um, was not used to a culture in which people uh, say hi to strangers on the street. Um, are more involved with their neighbors, uh, you know, tend to do things like, um, I, and I see this especially in, in very rural parts of Montana, um, drop in and offer help or um, feel licensed to involve themselves and, and see what they can do um, for you. And, and I mean that in a beautiful sense. Like, it, it was very confusing and cool um, to see as someone who uh, has spent time in the cities like Baltimore and New York and... Uh, in those places, it is it is not kosher to make eye contact with someone on the subway. Like, you're weird. Um, and then I think also I found Billings to be a place that was really ripe for community, um, in part because of that. Uh, it's really cool and, and wild to be a young person in this city. <clears throat> um, some, of, some of the people in the audience have heard me say this before, but... I mean, it doesn't take a lot in Billings to, uh, you know, kind of be listened to. And, it, you know, maybe you have to attend a few meetings. Um, and then there are, you know, all of a sudden, like, retirees who've been doing this a long time who are like, what do you think? We actually mean that. Um, so I found a lot of things in Billings that um, I think I was sort of hungry for. Um, Billings was also the space where I was introduced to... Um, the approach to social change that is community organizing, um, which lit a lot of light bulbs for me, um, even as a, a pretty young person without a lot of experience, uh, I fell in love with it. And um, I'm grateful that this is the space I've been given to try that. So so there's things that you experienced that you fell in love with, as you say, that, that was really good. But as you kind of hinted at and pointed at, the, the space that you grew up in, the place you went to college at, all these things, they had a, uh, and probably who you are in general, 
there's a there's a set of ideals or beliefs or hopes about the world, and uh, those are probably found on a more prominent level where you were born and raised, where you went to college, and then you uh, have intentionally decided to come to a space that I assume is not uh, as interested in some of those thoughts and ideas potentially as you would experience out there. Has that been a good thing for you, a hard thing for you? Have there been moments of like, ah, you know, this just feels like we're pushing a rock up a hill that keeps rolling back down on me the minute I take my eyes off of it, and I don't know if this is, is good or not. What's, what's been your journey on that front? Yeah, um, maybe just to put it more bluntly, I come from a blue state, and this is not one. What? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think um, it is. it has been both of those things for me. It has been both challenging, um, and it would be dishonest not to say that. Um, and it has also been really good for me. Um, I think the simplest way to describe it um, is that I, I feel like it's pushed me to be less of a jerk about my own opinions. Um, I used to have the luxury of being in spaces where... Um, most of the time where everyone around me thought loosely the same things as I did. Um, I should qualify my statement about being less of a jerk about my opinions. That is a journey. I'm not there yet. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there's a, that's a specific note for some of you in the audience who have had conversations with me. Um, yeah, I, I think it is... Um, it has been powerful and hard at the same time um, in like a healthy growing way to uh, have close relationships at this point with people who um, fall in very different places from me on lots of different things. And that can, that can look like anything. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I, I think it's really beautiful. I mean, I've heard you say it multiple times, this idea that we, to bring our voice to the community around us, many times we're looking to bring our voice to the people that look like us, act like us, think like us. That's, that's where we feel like we're resonating most. And, and you are, not that you don't have people that you agree with, but that you and who you are in your work are spending your time and energy around people that probably are not in that same camp. And that the way that you talk about it is one is that's been a good and beautiful thing for you and hopefully a good and th beautiful thing for the world. That to bring your voice to your community is, is good, especially when it's, there's disagreement, especially when there's two sides. I think that's really, really great. So one of the things that you do is not only just who you are as a person, but your professional career as well kind of involves around this a little bit. And you hinted at it a little bit. So what do you do, Caitlin? And what does that look like? I'm so glad you asked, Thanks. Matt. <laughs> um, so I am a community organizer. Um, I work for uh, an organization called Northern Plains Resource Council. Um, which is a grassroots uh, conservation and family agriculture group. So we work broadly on issues um, around land and water, um, protecting the livelihoods of, I mean, all kinds of people, but most specifically family farms and ranches. Um, but I think more than that, the, the way that I understand my job is um, it is my job to... I spend actually a lot of my days meeting with strangers, which is really weird, um, and like a whole flavor of existence. Um, it, is, it is my job, <clears throat> kind of at its core, I think, to to visit with people and, and see them um, as best I can um, and, and to understand or, or draw out over the course of a conversation like what it is that they care the most about. 
um, and then connect them to others who share their vision. Um, there are obviously limitations to that, like I can't necessarily go, um, you know, I have to sort of work within the issues that Northern Plains organizes on, um, and those are values that I share as well. Um, so I probably wouldn't go connect people to the vision of the thing that we're against. Um, but I think at its core, um, it is about seeing people, um, hearing what they care about, um, and then plugging them into a thing um, where they get to work on it with a lot of other people. And that's, that's the unique thing and the powerful thing, like inviting people into a space where they get to become the architects of their own power. Um, and they get to become um, kind of the owners of the change that they would like to see. It's not my job to be an advocate on behalf of people. Um, it's my job to help um, people step into that space themselves. And so a lot of what we do is <clears throat> essentially helping people learn the skills of democracy in like a lived sense. Like what does it look like to sit at a table with maybe 15 people who loosely share your vision? Loosely should be like, let's elevate that term. <laughs> um, and then get them all to you know somewhere that they overlap. Um, both in terms of a plan and an, an end goal. Um, and I think that those are skills that, like, we don't learn them in school. Um, it can feel like a foreign language. Uh, it still does to me often. Like, it is really hard and jarring to hear someone, you know, disagree with you about a thing that you have invested emotion or passion into. Um, but, like, it is, there is a, a very important role for productive disagreement in our society. And I personally would like to be better at it. Um, I, I guess I think that I'm walking on a journey with the people I work with and organize as we um, try to land somewhere that we can work together on stuff. Yeah, and, and uh, <clears throat> that's your work. And, and I, I always, whenever I feel like I have a bad day, I, I realize that my work is I run a movie theater. Like that's, that's kind of how I get to gauge that's my hard. life. It's sometimes, uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, there's, uh, the reason I bring that up is this is work. And like for you to, to bring a community together that have uh, dissenting voices and, and try to, to figure out the best way forward for that community, because again, like you say, you're not there with an agenda for the community. You're there to, to hear the voice of the community and try to see it move forward. That's a really, really difficult thing to do compared to the reality that many of us probably see and experience and, and maybe even think is just the reality of the world, that there's somebody on top that's making all the decisions and just let them make all the decisions and, and we can just hang out. Like There's a lot of work that's brought, not only through you, but through a community, a group of people choosing to say, my voice actually does matter and I'm going to show up at this thing, I'm going to be a part of it, I'm going to bring my story to it. That's work and far more difficult than all of us just staying home and letting the, the top poobah make all the decisions and we just get to watch more Netflix is really kind of how some of us probably experience. Would you say that to be true? Is it work or has it been like, no, yes. this, is, this is okay. It's work. <laughs> it's work. But it's it's work that's worth it? Do you feel like it's worth it? Um, yeah. Or, or is there a part of you that's like, no, we should just install a you know grand Montana poobah and they get to make all the decisions? No, I, I absolutely feel like it's worth it. Um, this morning you asked me, and I don't know if I'm jumping to... You go for it. <laughs> I'm jumping your question stack. <clears throat> Matt really loves it when I go off script. 
or do his job. Um, so Matt asked me this morning, like, how does one, how do you carry on if, if it is hard and you're kind of constantly putting your shoulder to the wheel in this way? And I think that what I would like to say to what you just asked is sort of an answer to that question. Um, I had a conversation recently um, with a member of Northern Plains that I work with um, who is a, managing a ranch up in Haver um, in the Bear's Paw Mountains um, and is kind of a, a wise type. Um, and I don't remember how this came up in our conversation, but it was a similar thing in our relationship, I am the newcomer. Like, I have only been doing this for two and a half years, and um, he's been in it for decades. And I think I asked him a similar version, and he said, well, Caitlin, that's what people do, is they carry on, like they go on. And I think for most of our existence as humans, um, people have been up against incredible adversity. And I would note, I mean, most people facing way more than, than what I face. And, and we just do that. Like we continue to try and, and, and look that in the eyes and, um, and face hard things and, and try to make change. And if it doesn't work, we, we keep trying and, and we have kids in the meantime and we go to work. And I thought that was really beautiful and powerful is, well, Caitlin, that's just what humans do. We go on. Um, yeah, you uh, you sent me an article uh, weeks before this conversation. I mean, you sent it before even though I was going to ask you to to, to do this. Uh, dealing with uh, the statistics around uh, the average community involvement in different civic groups, uh, whether that's politics, schools, churches, you know, different spaces that you know communities have usually brought their voice. That's on the decline. Why was that so fascinating to you? What what was that about for you? Can I have your permission to read the opening <laughs> sentences of yes, it? Yes, yes. You have the mic, so you that's the point. You're um, going to go. So I just want to share how this starts, because it says it better than I could. Um, this is an article from The Atlantic um, about people's participation in civic organizations. Um, and it starts, democracy is a most unnatural act. People have no innate democratic instinct. We are not born yearning to set aside our own desires in favor of the majorities. Democracy is instead an acquired habit. Um, the, the point that the article makes or the, the sort of data-based observation that it makes is that nationally or as a national trend, um, Americans' participation in civic organizations is plummeting. And by, by that I mean like, you know, church even, um, you know, organizations that work on issues, um, you know, the Rotary Club, uh, things that, you know, maybe your grandparents are members of, um, but a lot of our generation or my generation might not be. Um, and the article resonated with me a lot in part because I, I learned a lot about our history as a nation and the degree to which we have been a nation of joiners for a long time, and this is sort of the first era that that's not happening. Like, we have been a nation of people who um, are on committees and get asked to be the chair of things, and by way of doing that, learn a skill set um, of self-governing and shared power um, that is, is not happening anymore. Um, and I, I would also make note that 
it wasn't just um, you know the existing citizenry that was doing this. Like for a long time, people who have not had power in the United States have been doing the same thing, have been using the structure of democratic institutions to to essentially bargain for more power. Um, so one specific from that article, there was a group of New Yorkers who were in debtors jail um, for not having paid their debts who uh, decided to write their own constitution and govern themselves like with dignity while they were in jail. Um, similar, similarly, a bunch of, or a, a, a statistic um, from this article was that uh, you know, freed slaves or even enslaved people in the South were far more likely to join civic groups of this kind within their own communities than white Americans. Um, and just the point is that by way of participating in that kind of stuff, I mean, you have to, um, you have to get used to like picking your battles and sitting at the table with people who might irritate you a lot, um, but you know you loosely care about the same thing, or uh, you know you loosely care about the same thing, but their strategy is really different from yours, and they're really committed to it. Um, and there is there is enormous value in having access to that skill set. Um, I think just in terms of you know being a person who lives in this country um, and and being a country that functions well. I think when we talked in advance of this conversation, we talked about how democracy is not a thing, and I would say this both about democracy and community, but <clears throat> it's not a thing that exists. It, it's a thing that is always becoming. Um, and we can't just um, expect that those structures function well and function the same without kind of the constant shoulder to the wheel striving of people who show up um, and who know how to navigate those spaces with each other. Yeah, I think, and, and that's really why the the article and, and conversations I've had with you have, have really resonated with me because I sense the tendency for me, and whether it's my belief that someone's on top and they're making all the decisions, so why bother, or just I'm so busy, I've got so much going on, there's no way that I could engage in these different kinds of things. But what the article talks about, and and I think what you at the core of who you are believe is that well, yeah, we're going to be busy, but let's be busy with good things. Let's be busy uh, bringing our voice to the table for things that really matter, and and to work to find those kinds of spaces. It's work, as we've talked about, but it. It's it's what makes this community this community. You know, you bring up churches. CMYK doesn't exist because I happen to have a microphone in my hand and there's a speaker and some lights. Let's do this. But CMYK exists because there are people that would choose to bring their voice to the table, be a part of this thing, uh, all, all of that. And, and whether that's CMYK or that's something like city council or something that's happening uh, civically in our community. That's, it's a thing that's always becoming because we choose to bring our voice to it rather than it just is. Can I jump yep. in? Yep. Um, I forgot to mention with respect to civic participation, I mean, that sort of philosophy is, I think, a part of why I participate in CMYK. It is, you know, it's not necessarily a decision-making space, but it has a lot of the... Um, the, the same value that all of the other stuff that I just talked about comes with. Like, it's a community of people that all of you are probably really different from me in at least some way, and all of you probably have something in common with me in another way. And I'm lucky to know people and, you know, kind of be enmeshed in a thing, to have to show up to something semi-weekly. <laughs> 
um, you know, it kind of holds, I feel like it kind of holds me in place as a person. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, to, to talk about you and not just the work that you do, but you, um, what does it look like then on a practical level for you to do the work of Caitlin bringing her voice to the city of Billings, to this community, whether it's CMYK, Billings, or other spaces? How, how does that practically play out in your life? Yeah. Um, so I have told Matt and I said this morning, this question is a bit weird for me to answer in part because my job is helping other people share their voice. Um, but I, I would say two things. One, I feel like the the space of relationships and, and most specifically one-on-one relationships is a, a platform unlike any other. And it is there is real power in, um, I think, understanding someone or at least striving to. Um, and, and that feels to me like a space to bring your voice. Um, and I feel lucky to have friends and a community in Billings that lets me do that. Um, and then I guess the thing I didn't say this morning that occurred to me after the fact as that always happens. So thanks for this second chance. Yeah. <laughs> um, it feels actually like a, a core, um, like a, a building block of community organizing, but also more broadly of sharing your voice. Um, like the, the key primer to that is listening. Um, it is a, it is a two-way dance, right? And that I think is the, the weirdness of social media is that it's not that in that space. Um, and I think that the, the hard work of, of sharing your voice is listening to where other people are at um, and figuring out how you relate to that and where you overlap with someone. And I would say that also is a journey for me, um, but is one that I feel you know, grateful to have you know, been pushed toward by way of my work, um, but also by way of you know, people who model it really well just in my personal life. Like having a, a coffee chat with someone about a thing that you really disagree on, like you can't just share your voice in that space. It takes hearing someone in a hard way. I, I love that so much. Um, because so much of her work is is on the you know it's relational, but it is organizing. Like you're you're bringing an organization to it, and personally, that it's not just organizing. It's really your belief in in the one on one that that is bringing your voice to your community. And I think that's the the tension that many of us can live in. Even even the way social media has taken relationship and put it on a platform that you can see how many friends or likes or views or shares, whatever it is, that all of a sudden there's a scale to it where there's really no scale to a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but for you to say, no, that matters, and that's actually bringing your voice to your community, so, so do that. And how often we just find ourselves not bringing our voice to those one-on-one -on -one relationships because we don't feel like they matter as much, so why bother? But for you to say that, like that, that was really good for me, so I really, really appreciate that. Yay. So <laughs> um, uh, as we wrap up, uh, to, to look at this community, the people here, and uh, this one is being recorded as well. So uh, to go out to the masses of people that listen to the CMYK podcast, uh, it was a joke, uh, uh, uh -oh. to think about um, how we can uh, help serve, come alongside you in any, any way. Uh, what You got the mic. What can we do? Yes. Um, Matt warned me he was going to ask this. 
and told me not to be shy, so I she made a list. She has 27 points. Uh, if you look at the screen, uh, we've, I'm just, <laughs> a, just a short instructional video. Well, just so joking. I have a couple of things that are, are tangible and concrete and things that you could attend. Um, and uh, so I would mention Northern Plains has ch essentially chapters around the state, um, 13 of them, and we have one right here in Billings. Um, and our Billings chapter is doing some incredible work um, around like helping build a robust local food system. You know, I would love to be able to buy meat and produce from someone that is close to Billings. Um, and then they're also doing incredible stuff around pushing our city um, to spend less on its energy costs and be more sustainable overall. So there are a couple of meetings coming up. Um, you probably know how I feel about meetings. It's good for democracy, you guys. Um, so there is a, a meeting of on our our sustainability committee is meeting on Thursday, February twenty first at five thirty um, at the Northern Plains office. Just find me after if you really want to come. We can talk about it. Um, there's also a meeting on March eleventh of our community food campaign, um, and it's same time and same place. Um, the biggest thing overall is I would encourage you if any of this resonated with you and you feel moved to, to take action or to find a way to bring your values to your voice and to your community would be um, to join Northern Plains. Um, I put a bunch of brochures back by the CMYK stuff. Learned my lesson from this morning. Um, we would love to have your participation in the work that we're doing. Um, but more broadly, there are a ton of really cool organizations and efforts in this city. And I, I guess I would encourage people to like find whatever it is makes you tick. You know, If it's helping with the Mint Film Festival and you're passionate about arts and culture, like go do that. Um, yeah, I would leave it at that. Yeah, that's uh, great. And, and so Northern Plains, I think uh, it's important to note, it's a, it's a member-driven organization. Oh, I forgot to say so, that. So your hope and belief is not just to see more people on board for an agenda, but more people bringing their unique voice and vision to yes. what Northern Plains is and cares our about. Our members are our leaders and yeah. our owners and my bosses, and yeah. it's their job to democratically figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Yeah really left out a key piece there. That's okay. So can we uh, thank Caitlin for coming? Oh, wait, I forgot my quote. Can oh, I say my quote? You can say your quote. <laughs> um, I have another quote. It's a really good one, so it's worth it. So this, um, yep. this is how she ended this morning, so I think it's a good place to end on. So Yeah, yeah we're going to end after this. Um, <laughs> except I maybe have more quotes. No, I'm kidding. Um, Okay, so this is from a book called From Brokenness to Community um, by Jean Veneer. And I would just preface it by saying, like, this is for those of us who live in the ideal space and when stuff gets hard, want to run away, which is me for sure. Um, community means caring, caring for people. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, he who loves community destroys community. He who loves the brethren builds community. A community is not an abstract ideal. We are not striving for perfect community. Community is not an ideal, it is people. It is you and I. In community, we are called to love people just as they are with their wounds and their gifts, not as we would want them to be. Community means giving them space, helping them grow. It also means receiving from them so that we too can 
can grow. It is giving each other freedom. Ladies and gentlemen, Caitlin Cromwell, let's give her a hand. Thanks for coming, Sharon. Thank you. So as um, we kind of wrap up tonight and prepare uh, for communion to receive this meal together, um, for some of you, the question might be, okay, Matt, uh, this is more of a spiritual like church space. Why the heck are we talking about this stuff? Because this is not uh, what I show up uh, to hear about. This is not how I prepare to receive communion, if you will. But for me, this idea of bringing your voice to your community in whatever kind of facet or space that that looks like, I do really, really believe that there's this fundamental invitation of Christ, the fundamental element of our spirituality and how we're choosing to live that out, that this table connects directly with many of the things that Caitlin is talking about. And for me, it's, it's looking around the vast stories of Scripture, but specifically there's this one story that has always, always been something I've, I've, I've been excited about, honestly, for the last probably 15 years. It's the story of Jesus entering a new community that he and his followers have not been in before. And when he gets there, he's, he uh, it begins interacting with this man that is living outside of the city uh, gates. He's actually living among the tombs, it says. He's living in a graveyard. And this is a man that when Jesus interacts with him, you know, the storyteller tells us a couple things. One, he's naked. Two, he's not in his right mind. And three, multiple times the community has tried to bring him back into the city to try and reintegrate him, but he continually finds himself breaking out of any kinds of chains or uh, any kind of locked up situation that they would put in him. He always gets out and always causes trouble. So the community has essentially just relegated him to living among the dead, that you are no longer a part of this community. This is where you belong. And he's been this way for a long time, the storyteller tells us. And there's this interaction that Jesus has with this man that right out of the gates, the storyteller informs us, that he was a demon-possessed individual. And rather than just one demon, this man had many, many, many demons in him. And there's this, this conversation right out of the gates where the demons say to Jesus, says, hey, Jesus, we recognize you're the Son of God. Don't send us out. But instead, the demons have an idea, as apparently demons can. Uh, and they said, hey, send us into this herd of pigs that's nearby. And so Jesus grants them their requests, and these demons leave this man and enter this herd of pigs. And it says all of the pigs are now demon-possessed, and they run into the water, and they drown themselves. And then you have all these pig herders that are standing around going, well, this isn't the Monday I was expecting, because <laughs> there goes all my pigs. Now what am I? I'm just a man. I'm not a pig herder anymore. And obviously, this causes some commotion. The pig herders run into the city, and they start communicating what's happened here, because all their pigs are now dead. And this is where we pick up this story. It says, Then the people went out to see what had happened. The city comes out. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And don't miss this. He was clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of Gerasenes asked him, all the people, don't miss that, all the people asked Jesus to depart from them. For they were seized with great fear. So he, Jesus, got into the boat and returned. There's something that's always been fascinating about this story to me. What we know about the narrative of Christ is he continually would enter communities, continue to walk into spaces and places where there was a perceived narrative of how the world worked. There was a structure that had been established. And whether that structure was relationally, whether that structure was politically, whether that structure was theologically, that there's an understanding, kind of boxes and spaces that we kind of create. This is the way the world works. This is how God works. This is how relationships work and people work. 
And Jesus continually throughout the Gospels is seen as walking into these spaces and just turning everything upside down and saying, hey, the, the things that you think are happening, the things that you think this guy is or isn't, that's actually not what's happening here. And this is one of those scenarios and situations, is it not? Where the entire community has labeled this man as living among the dead. Why bother? He's not a part of us. And this works for them. And Jesus shows up and upends everything. All of a sudden, they've got to wrestle with this guy who's clothed and in his right mind. There's something new here. And their stereotypes, their categories, it doesn't work anymore. And the response to it is fear. We're not okay with this new thing, Jesus, because our categories and the way that we had it works. So don't bring anything new. Many of us have experienced that before. That maybe there's something new going on in our own lives. There's new, potentially something happening in our community and the world around us. And there's a tendency for us to retreat back to what we know, to what's comfortable, to what's easy. And to say, no, we, we can't go there. Many of us have probably heard and experienced statements like this. This is the way it's always been. Don't try to change things. Don't rock the boat. Leave it alone. Why bother? Others have tried and nothing's happened. Why try again? All of these statements, I think, would resonate within the story of Christ. And I think all of these statements potentially have the, could resonate in our own lives. That we've had these kinds of moments. Why bother? Why bother? And it's out of these kinds of statements that we can just live in fear and always reject this new thing that's happening in and among us. But then the story gets really, really interesting. Because Jesus is getting into the boat, about to leave. And it says, the, men, uh, the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This man has experienced something new. Something fresh. There's a momentum in this direction. And he's just been rejected by his community once again. And everything in this man and everything in the story would say, hey, just go with where the momentum is. Go, go with where this new thing is going to be accepted and celebrated. And Jesus says, no. What you need to do is you need to go back into your community, the space that just rejected you. And you need to tell your story there. You need to bring your voice there. I find it to be so important that Jesus, in this moment, he's not about trying to create some kind of celebrity culture of everybody just follow me and celebrate me. No, he's trying to activate something within, I believe, our humanity. To say there's an invitation for you to bring your voice to your community, to tell your story to your community. And even if your community is potentially rejecting, wants nothing to do with it, and is saying those kinds of statements of why bother, this is what must be done. Your voice matters in your community. Don't just go with the momentum, but see the power and the significance of you bringing your voice to a space that even rejects you. This morning as we come to this table, I believe that there's an invitation for us to see that the story and narrative of Christ is about doing something new, new in and among us in this city of Billings, and that we come to this table, bread broken and a cup shared, and it's the same loaf, we do the same loaf, we drink of the same cup, that we are a part of this story together and that your voice would be a part of bringing this new thing together. And for some of us, I think there's a couple questions that maybe we would ponder and think about as we come to the table. First and foremost, are you potentially fearful of the new? For some of you, you have categorized your life. We all do it. We've, we, we know what to experience, we know what to expect. And there's potentially something new happening. Are you fearful of that? 
Or maybe is this meal an invitation to say, no, I, I can maybe lean into that a little bit. I can investigate. I can discover that a little bit. Maybe it's somebody that believes or thinks differently than you. I love what Caitlin said about listening. This is a part of bringing our voice as well. And so there's, a, there's an invitation in this, rather than being fearful, to put on a set of ears and to listen because maybe there's something there rather than just always rejecting because it doesn't fit our boxes. And maybe, and I would say probably for a good chunk of us in this room, the second question would be, do you believe your voice matters here? For some of us, Billings, Montana is not the most progressive place on planet Earth that we desire it to be. It's not the epicenter of human culture. <laughs> and there can be this tendency to see and experience things outside. There's a momentum over there. There's something happening over there. And to live our lives longing to go there and to be there and to just join ourselves with those things. And that's fine. But I believe there's something really, really beautiful. And and good in our humanity when we decide and we say, no, my voice matters here. My story matters here. And even when there's disagreement, even when there's potential rejection, that this city is better and more beautiful because of my voice. And, and I, I, man, I, I really hope that that lands on some level because I really believe it. I, yeah, there's over 120,000 people in this area. Do you believe that your voice matters in the city of Billings? Do you believe that your voice matters here in a space like CMYK? That this is not a place to attend, but something that we are becoming. This is what this bread and this cup means for me. It's an invitation back into our communities, not to just go with momentum, not to be fearful of the new, but to say, no, I can, I can bring my voice here. And this place and this city is more beautiful because of it. So we're going to play a song. And as always, everyone is welcome to this table to come take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and receive and be a part of this narrative and this story of us all individually bringing our, our story to be a part of something new, whatever that is. Whenever you're ready, feel free to come forward, and we'll receive together. God, <clears throat> some of us in this room um, have become really, really good at uh, disinviting ourselves to the table, um, uninviting ourselves to the table. And we uh, are easily driven by those questions. Why bother? People have already tried. And... God, it's my hope that we as a community, we as individuals, um, would see the invitation that I believe has been the invitation of Christ from day one, and that is, no, your voice and your story, it matters. And as much as a community, um, for some of us it's family, for some of us it's friends, would continue to try and relegate us uh, to live among the dead, that our voice wouldn't matter that there would be a decision behind this, this bread and this cup tonight to say, no, no, my voice matters. And I'm a part of something. There's no platform here. There's no hierarchy here. But I'm invited to bring my voice. And so we leave this place tonight. And we, our work is to see this city that we live in. 
and to see the people around us. And as Caitlin remind us, reminded us to bring our voice in those one-on-one conversations, to bring our voice in our offices, to bring our voice with our families, through our art, whatever it is, um, because it's in that that this community is uh, a more beautiful place to live because there's something new happening here. We love you. In the name of Christ, we pray and say together. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, just thanks, Caitlin. So so good, so good. Um, as always, we're going to spend the next few minutes just hanging out. So I invite you to just, if you want to hang out for a little bit uh, and have another drink, uh, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, also, reminder, next Sunday we're not gathering, so Sabbath gathering. So please take that day uh, to rest and play. And then last but not least, uh, we've mentioned the last couple weeks, I think we're coming up to a close on, on when the applications are going to be closing. But uh, we do have some part-time positions available for CMYK that if for whatever reason you're looking for something uh, part-time and pretty, you know, just supplementary income on some levels, uh, we would love it if you wanted to pick up. We've got applications in the back for the different positions. So we'd love if you want to pick up a couple, a couple of those applications and, and get that in. Uh, we're just, again, trying to bring more voices and people to the table, and that's one of the ways that we recognize we could just use some help on some things. So uh, by all means, feel free to grab some of that. So. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. Hope to see you in a couple weeks. Thanks.